Good morning, Bethel. I'm so happy that you're worshiping with us this morning. I hope you have your Bible and your family or a friend or some form of a watch party and you're just getting ready to hear the living word of God. If you haven't been told that you're loved today, you need to just be quiet just for a moment and sense that the Lord is sending you that love right now. And if you just need it from another human being, I think somebody on your left or right right now should just say, hey, I love you. And if no one else is there in human form, I just want to look right into this camera and say, Jesus loves you. And so do I. And so does this church. And if you're unsure, I just want you to type in the, in the, in the box, I need some love and somebody's going to give you some love. So let's just pray together this morning and let's trust God that he'll come in with his presence and just give us a revelation of the word that we couldn't have without him coming in. Lord, I just thank you for the day. I thank you for this people. No matter what is going on in the world that is just really bringing us anxiety and pain and worry and stress, we're declaring you're greater than it. You're greater than those situations and circumstances. As we get in the word, I ask God that you be with me, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, let the words in my mouth, meditation in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer, and every glad and happy heart say amen. Amen. All right, as we get into the word uh, this morning, I have a little question for you. Do you have any people in your life that only come around you when they like need something? Uh, Maybe they need a meal or maybe they uh, just want you to come and pay for their movie or, or maybe they just know when your payday is and they know how much you make and how much you can give to them and, and they just show up. My mother told me if anybody comes like that, they're counting your money, you want to avoid them. I'm just trying to get to the reality that sometimes there are people in our life who are good to us for what they can receive from us versus just being good to us so that we are blessed by their presence. And you know, that can be fatiguing in a time like this with the COVID-19 crisis where we all need to lean on each other and partner with each other. And sometimes you just need to be, you want to be around people who want to just be around you just because. In fact, uh, if you've never experienced this type of love, I pray right now that you do. As I was preparing for this message, I was, I was writing uh, this little intro down and somebody had promised to give me some uh, hand sanitizer. And I was just right now, and I said, that, that would have helped me right now to have some hand sanitizer. They told me it was give me some, and they just forgot, for, forgot about me. And then I received a text, look on your front porch, and there it was. It was the hand sanitizer. I wasn't forgotten. You see, there's another side of people that's not necessarily, they're not manipulative at all. They love and they give and they show up when you need them most, and you can't live without these type of people in your life. So you got two types of people. People that when crisis come, they try to figure out how to buddy up or do the right thing, but it's a manipulative intent. It could be filled with praise and friendship, but it's because of something I want. And then you have other people, like the person who gave me these two big bottles of Perel. And if you need some, I'll share mine with you. Just texting. I don't know how I'm going to get it to you, but I'll share it. Um, 
that, that just, when I thought about this person, I thought about how often all they do is give and give and give, and they rarely ask for something or look for something in return. So I, I wondered, was there any parallels in the scripture this, and, and I believe there is. I believe that the text today kind of shows us how to deal with people who, who buddy up and manipulate. What is the attitude, disposition, or demeanor you, you, you need to have uh, during this time? And then how do you appreciate people who really love like this? And, and how do the people who are loving like this actually um, feel refreshed from what they're doing and not become sour because it feels like it's a thankless job. So we're going to look at John, uh, let's see, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. And let me just read this into your hearing. And let me tell you a little bit about it. Meanwhile, a crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but because, because they also wanted to see Lazarus, whom he was raised from the dead. But you got to understand what has happened. Two chapters ago, Lazarus, a very close friend of Jesus, um, died. He was dead for four days. Jesus shows up, tells them to move a stone out of the way. He calls Lazarus out of the tomb and gets him unwrapped. Unwrap. And so one of his closest friends who was dead for four days is now alive. The text before this shows Jesus at a dinner at his house, obviously celebrating his life. And his sisters are there and they're having a good time. And one of his sisters breaks an alabaster jar or a jar of nard and, and begins to, to wipe it on Jesus' feet. And someone says, hey, you're wasting this on Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, you know, and he says, oh, it could be given to the poor. He said, the poor you'll have what you always, you know, he said, but, but not me. And he said, she's did this to, for my burial. She did this considering my life. You see, Jesus is entering into a season of his life where he knows he's about to give it all to redeem humanity. Before this text is writ read, Jesus in all four gospels has said at least three times that he is going, when he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be captured, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be spit on, he's going to die be buried and raised, be raised again from the dead. He is telling them exactly what's going to happen. So Jesus is there with, with Lazarus and, and, and it's in verse 11 says, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him because he had done miracles. Do you know that when Jesus heals somebody, saves somebody, changes somebody's life, and, and the fame of that goes out, other people want to come to know Jesus, your story is important. I don't know what Jesus has done in your life, but your story is important. Tell your story. Somebody will come to know the Lord. Now watch what verse 12 says. It said, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took, no, oh, I don't want to go that far yet. I wanted to say this. Um, before I leave that point, is that 
They wanted to kill Lazarus because he had an association and a friendship with Jesus, and Jesus had raised him from the dead. The people who wanted to kill him were the Sadducees uh, and, the, and the chief priests. They didn't even believe in the resurrection. So this went directly against their theological uh, standpoint about if there is even a resurrection or not. So here's Jesus saying there's life after death, and here's them saying that when you die, it's, it's, it's all over, and everybody's believing Jesus' message, and they hated him for it. Do you know that as believers, you can put the gospel message out about the death, burial, resurrection, and people will hate you for it. But you know what? It's all right. Because the people who really need to hear it, the people who need to believe, the people who need to respond, many of them will believe. Many of them, will, even though they wanted to kill Jesus, you know what he wanted to do? They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus, but he wanted to love them. You know, Caiaphas, the chief priest, and they said this. They said a couple things. If we don't stop him and kill him, he'll actually lead all the people away. Number two, he said, we will lose our post. We'll lose our jobs. And then uh, number three, he said, they, they might kick the whole nation out. You know, people start doing strange things when they lose their jobs. So, you know, I hate to tell you this stat, and I, and I wanted to believe it wasn't true, but in a week's time, we went from 3.3 million uh, filing from unemployment to over 6 million. Now that, you know, and when, 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 when people are at a loss, things can get strange. People can start acting strange. People can start choosing themselves over what's best for others. But I love Jesus gives us a model. When they wanted to kill him, he wanted to love them. The Bible says that, that Jesus is in a mindset where he is preparing to lay his life down. So the very people that are hating on him don't know that in just a few days, Jesus would lay his life down and die for the sins of the whole world. I love that he has an answer for what you do when people have vitriol and hatred towards you. You love them. So yes, in this world of tension, you're going to have moments as believers where things get a little tense on the internet or whatever, but I just want you to know your response is love. They tried to kill him, but you know what? He loved them. So if he did it, we can do it. Okay? Now, I want you to look uh, next at this scripture. I want to show you the next thing that happened. Let's go to the 12th verse. So the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches and palm trees and went down to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey and a colt. I uh, love this moment. Jesus has always gathered the crowd. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ right now, even through this COVID-19 crisis, is seeing four times as many people tuning in to church services as it was before the crisis. Jesus carries a crowd, and we're here, we're, we're, we're a part of the crowd. Now, within this crowd, just like all of us that are here at, at church today online, there's various people who want various things from Jesus, and they, they have the right activity with their mouth, the right, right activity with laying down palm tree branches, but they have a manipulative intent. 
What do I mean by that? I mean that they're not trying to figure out what Jesus wants to do or what Jesus is trying to to do with his life. They're trying to figure out how they can force him to do what they want him to do for their life. Now, the Jewish people at that time were under a great deal of oppression from the Romans. They were like a slave state. Um, There was religious oppression. There was a lot of infighting. The Judaizers uh, were, were, were fighting. You had the Sadducees and the Pharisees who, who had different religious perspectives, but they all wanted something different from Jesus. They wanted them dead. Um, and then you had people who, who really believed that this was a fulfillment of the prophecy, and this is the son of David. This is the, the, the son of man. This is, the, this is the Messiah. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But when they're singing, saying Hosanna, that meant save and save now. When they're laying down the palm branches, this is because this is what they did when, when someone uh, noteworthy came in, when they were going to celebrate. This is something that they did uh, uh, for national pride and, and, and for joy. See, just about 100 years before this, there was uh, 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 one of the Maccabees came in and this same scripture was read. They thought that he perhaps might have been the Messiah. So they, they're used to figuring out what the scriptures say, like uh, Zechariah 9.9 about the daughters of Zion. And they they can figure out Daniel and and they can say, you know what, this is the moment. These are all the signs. But what they couldn't clearly see is what Jesus was trying to do to love them was different from what they wanted to demand from him. Save us now. Change it now. Deliver now. Give me a job now. Heal me now. Get rid of the Romans now. They wanted to fight. They wanted to revolt. But I love how Jesus is not playing into this narrative. Now, if Jesus wanted to fight, he'd ride in on a horse. You do know he's coming back on a horse. He's coming back and he's not playing and he's going to win that fight without drawing a weapon. Well, the weapon would be the sword of his mouth. But right now, you have him coming in in a humble way. Whoo, what a humble savior. He, he's riding on a colt And this is the only, I I like to bring out this little fact because it's the only point of honor that we can really see in the scripture because the colt was uh, probably never written on and that was an honor to ride on a beast that had never been written on. But if this is his triumphant entry, his coronation, it doesn't have a lot of pomp and circumstance going with it. I mean, where's the diamonds in in, in the robes and the, you know, but they're calling him a king, but he looks like a pauper. They're calling him a king, but he doesn't have a horse. He's got a, he got a, he got a peacekeeping animal. You see, I love the humility of our Savior. He is showing us through his very demeanor that his means of saving us are not consistent with our means of, or desire to be saved. And no matter how many times they shouted, Hosanna, do something now, he rode through that crowd quietly, silently, He didn't stop their praise because he was worthy of the praise. He didn't say they were wrong. He is a king, king of kings, Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. He does have the ability to eradicate and move out of the way their enemies and any armies and anybody's in the way. He has the ability to do it, but that's not what he came to do. He wanted them to believe. 
You know, the, the scripture actually says that the crowd had, had gotten in such a frenzy. You had the people coming who were coming from uh, Bethany, uh, where Lazarus was. He had a multitude, the Bible says. There's a multitude coming. And then he had a multitude that was already in Jerusalem. And Jesus in the middle of all of this. You, you got the Passover getting ready to happen. So everybody's getting their lambs. And, and um, I believe it's Josephus says it had to be around 250,000 lambs there. So there's millions of people in the city. And everybody's yelling stuff. And then somebody yells out, so who is he again? Who is this guy? It's, it's funny that everybody's calling him the right stuff. And then the crowd is saying, well, we don't really know who he is. You know, people can get caught up in just cheering and saying stuff, and, and you can jump into that and, 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 and lose yourself. I've, I've done that before. Um, yeah, just a little quick funny, I was uh, on my honeymoon. I've gotten, I've gotten caught up in cheers before. Now, I'll let you know, I, cannot, I could not swim back then at all. And, 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 and uh, the, the people I didn't even know, they just start daring me to jump into the pool. And I asked my wife, could I go? She said, don't go, you can't swim. I said, I'm just going to jump in and hit the bottom and come up. And they start chanting my name. Chat, 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 chat. Just start getting excited. Chat. And I turned to my wife, just like, this. I said, baby, I've got to give the people what they want. And I jump in the water. And I realize that when I've done that in the past, it's been like a seven foot an eight-foot pool, I hit the bottom and jump up. This is a 15-foot pool. I never came up. I actually needed help. See, crowds can cheer you on and start yelling stuff and not know why they're yelling it. Tell you to do something that gets you off of God's game plan for you or off of what you should be doing. So easily I got distracted. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't get distracted. See, they, they had a manipulation for him, but all he wanted them to do is believe. He said, I just want you to believe. I just want you to believe. And so, so, so now you see, if people tried to kill him, he, tried, he loved them. When, 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 when people wanted to manipulate him, he just stayed within what God had given him to do so they would believe. He didn't come out of character. So I know, I just want to help you understand this. I know that you might be needing Jesus to do something very specific in your life. And when you think about Jesus, you think about him meeting your need. But what if I told you he's going to give you something far greater than your temporary need? Now, they couldn't see that. But I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Now, look at, oh, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. Go to verse... 20. Let's just see this real quick. Verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were Greeks. So the same came to Philip and at Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, that might not mean anything to you. See, the Jews want to sing. The, excuse me, the Greeks want to sing. People who, who may have been um, Jewish sympathizers or they may have been um, proselytes, they, 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 they may have been sensitive to the faith or they may have not been in the faith, but now some people who, 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 who he actually died, he's going to die for, are starting to pay attention to him. 
Some people outside of the Jewish faith are starting to notice him. And, and this is unique because it's a sign to Jesus that his hour has come. What hour is he talking about? He has basically, from the moment that he set out to Jerusalem, after telling them three times that the Son of Man would be, would be taken, would be beaten, would die, be buried, and he raised, again, raised from the dead again, he didn't know exactly the moment that was happening, but he was setting up this fight. How do you know? Because all of the people who wanted to kill him were all around. And he's got a crowd of people who was loving him and screaming his name. And instead of getting all of those people to be on his side, he goes to the temple, makes a whip, and he begins to turn over tables and whip people and say, my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. He began to show what he's really interested in. And now he's got people who are not in his faith, who who like to learn. They're seeking to know who Jesus is. I know right now, A lot of you are watching church services who typically don't because you're seeking to know Jesus. And that means Jesus' hour has come. This means that the gospel is beginning ready to invade your life in a way that's life-changing. And maybe you weren't looking for the gospel. Maybe you were just looking for Jesus to kill you or, 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 or touch your life or give you a job. But he's got so much more than that. Now, now watch this. Uh, give me the 24th verse. Watch this. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone, a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Verse 25, anyone who loves his life will lose it, while anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I just love this because he's going to show us how to be like him. He's not just showing us how he can, he can for those who want to kill him, he can love them, and for those who want to manipulate him, he can, he, can, he can get them to believe. He's showing us that he is willing to surrender his life for everyone so that we will surrender our life for everyone. You know, what do you do when someone is in your life and they're trying to manipulate you. They're praising you to get something from you instead of being a blessing to you. Do what Jesus did. Keep loving. Keep serving. Keep doing the right thing and say, so what? What does it matter? You were born to make a difference in somebody's life because you're just acting like Christ. That's what he does said, lose your life. It's okay. When you lose your life, you gain eternal life. You see, I sat my family down during the COVID-19 crisis. And I'm going to act like I'm in your family right now. And I helped them understand the principle that I believe that Jesus is helping all of us understand at this moment. That when you accept the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you become into the family uh, of God and the kingdom of God, It's an amazing thing. You know why? Because now, because now as a family member, you have purpose. You have calling. And you're going to receive a reward. And your life is worth living. Well, Pastor James, what if I get sick? 
Your life is still worth living for Christ and preaching about the good news of Christ. What if, what if I die what I would consider prematurely? If you know Christ, then you died right on time and, you didn't, and he's going to use your life as something that can bless other people's life or build the kingdom. Well, what if I lose money? What if I, look, there's all types of things that can happen to all of us that we don't control and we don't know about. But all I'm trying to tell you is Jesus Christ was so focused on his mission that no matter what people came to try to kill him or manipulate him or, or get him off track, he saw, you know what? These Greeks are worth my life. The kingdom of God is getting outside of the Jewish community and getting to everybody else. Oh, my God. It gave him the strength to endure hard times. And over the next couple of days, as we get to Good Friday and as we celebrate the Passion Week and as we give you devotionals, you're going to see the journey got harder for Jesus. But the scripture says this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised his shame. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for me today. And, and here's simply how the prayer goes. Lord, help us to stay focused on our assignment. No matter who's trying to kill us or what's trying to kill us, help us keep loving. No matter what's trying to manipulate us or get us off track or, or, or give, us, give us the one thing so they can get something, ah, let us just keep doing the work of a believer, serving. But God, let us read the signs the way you did. When you saw that the Greeks were coming, he said, my hour has come. Now that you can see people wanting to know who your Savior is and they're approaching you, they're seeking you out, the hour has come for a revival and breakthrough. Receive it because Christ has given it to us right now. So I pray for you today. I pray for everyone that is listening who doesn't know Jesus. I pray that Jesus would give you such a conviction you would feel him knocking so hard on your heart that you couldn't help but let him in and say, Lord, I give you my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you, a savior. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. And with that confession, I'm no longer the same, but I'm saved because Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, I believe many of you have prayed that prayer. And I need you to type in the box, I just prayed that prayer. I just prayed that prayer. Type it in so somebody can follow you up. And for you who are already born again, keep on keeping on. Because your Savior was able to face his killers and face his manipulators and stick with his assignment, you and I can have the strip that we can lay down our life to see God's uh, kingdom advance and see us have a life that is worth living here and eternal life there. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you this Good Friday as we worship together again with Bethel Online. God bless you.